Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to Covered in Glory, all bangers edition, Brett. I could not believe it when I looked at the calendar. I should have done it before last week's show so we could have teed this up better. We are taping one day early. It is Wednesday evening. Uh, I have to do some travel tomorrow, but the big reason why we wanted to tape early is by doing so, we are only covering three games today, and they're all head-to-head matchups of the big six. It is like a, an eclipse that is happening in the soccer world, and we get to benefit from it. How excited are you for the next seventy-two hours, Brett? I mean, this is—I mean, this is like great. I, I honestly—I know you always correct me on these things. I can't remember where we've had a show where every—we've had plenty of shows where two of the big six have played each other. Have we ever had a show with all three no. each other? Absolutely I think this not. Is the first it, time ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost impossible for it to line up, right? I mean, this feels right. like a. FA Cup semifinal or like a Champions League quarterfinal preview. Like there's very rare that we're not going to talk about anything but just absolute heavyweight Titan clashes. And like I'm pretty firmly against the Super League. But when you like look at these matchups and you think about them happening day after day after day, you see the appeal for like five minutes until you regain the soul back into your body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always exciting. I think when the, when the biggest teams match up, I mean, it, especially this week, cause we have another test for uh, like Arsenal and United two teams that were slowly warming up to, it seems like each at each point we have a podcast. Um, and I mean, it, it's just like each storyline is interesting. You know, can Spurs kind of write the ship against city? Like the narrative, the narratives behind each match, I, I should say are interesting. Can Spurs write the ship? Chelsea, Liverpool, who's more broken? <laughs> and then, you know, United Arsenal, like, are both of these teams for real, right? So yeah. it, it's well, just really, it's a really interesting timing to hit all these games, too. Like, that's what's really cool about this week. All right. Well, you're already starting to preview them, so we should do it officially. Kicking off the all-bangers edition. It might be a little shorter this week, but you're getting nothing but the, the white meat, the good stuff. No filler yeah. this time. All killer, no filler. Kicking us off is tomorrow, Thursday, 3 p.m. EST. Take that time off of work. Second screen this thing. Tell your boss to shove it because you got <laughs> Manchester City versus Tottenham. Manchester City is second at 39 points. Tottenham is fifth at 33 points. Manchester City over at Caesars is minus 295. Tottenham is plus 750. The draw is plus 400. On the adjusted line, Manchester City minus a goal and a half. No respect for Spurs whatsoever. Is minus 110. The Spurs are minus 120. So, Brett, let's kick off with the first big question from these uh, heavyweight matches. City. They are eight points back and now tied with Manchester United heading into this match week. Are they still the title favorite or do we need to adjust our expectations on city? Just like we have with every other team after seeing the first half of the season play out. Yeah, I God, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think this is finally the point for me where I think Arsenal has enough of an edge. Like I've been kind of waiting and waiting 
for Arsenal to get tested with an injury, with those fixtures starting to pile up, and then, you know, City is going to make their move, right? Like, Arsenal is going to get this injury to Jesus. They're going to start playing meaningful Europa League games. You know, the Premier League schedule is going to start getting on top of them. But, like, each week, Arsenal grinds out results and City drops points somewhere, yep. you know, here and there. And so I, I think this is finally the week for me where it's like I I probably need to stop waiting um, for this gap to close and start saying, okay, this is Arsenal's season to lose at this point. Um, I, I mean, City's still great. Like, they're still one of the best teams in the world. Like, I, I, I think a lot of this, too, is they've been a little unlucky. And definitely Arsenal's been pretty lucky in terms of injury luck with Jesus being the only major player, I think, that's missed a ton of minutes. Um, I mean, I guess I want to argue like Sinchenko has been in and out, but if you want to, if you want to make that argument, that's a whole different podcast. Um, yeah. So I think this is time where city now can't afford any slip ups. Um, this is, they are definitely the underdog for the title. Um, and these are matches that they have to get three points out of at this point. Yeah. The odds makers agree with you, Brett. Arsenal is down to minus 125 to win the league. City is plus 138. Really shoved it in my face when I said uh, minus 225 was the lowest you're going to see City all season. But that's going to happen when you lose to Manchester United. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I'm just being stubborn. I don't know if I'm too much of an optimist. And when I see a team's high that it reaches like the pinnacle that City is, I can't back all the way off of that thought. But I think I'd rather hold a City plus 138 ticket right now than an Arsenal minus 125 ticket right now. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot still has to go right for Arsenal. There's still a lot of matches for them coming up. I mean, we they're, we know how these soccer managers are. They're going to play the European. They're going to take the European competition. They're in seriously, even with the Premier League title available to them. And, and we really haven't seen them. We've, we've seen their, their depth tested by one injury. I mean, in comparison to Chelsea and Liverpool, like it's crazy how much well, luckier Arsenal has been yeah, after seeing that. Compared to, year, I mean, know? take any team in the world compared to Chelsea, and it'll look like you know, Lady Luck is shining upon them. Like I don't even know if that's a fair comparison at that point, since they are more mash unit than they are a soccer team. Yeah, I, but I mean, that, there is still definitely a semblance of good luck when it when you're talking about that. I mean, the major minutes have been just Jesus's injury, like. Arsenal loses one or two other guys, even someone like Odegaard, like what happens if Odegaard is out for an extended stretch of time, right? So I, I think this is the thing too that, you know, holding that you're talking about holding that city ticket right now, like they have Holland, they're still great. Arsenal still could suffer that one injury. And then all of a sudden they go in a rut for four or five matches. And then here we are, city's neck and neck with them. Yeah. And then you'd be loving plus 138 in your hand. Eight points is a lot of points halfway through the season, though. But it like I, 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 it's interesting. I think it's more of a praise of Arsenal than it is a damning of City. I think City is probably slightly underperformed expectations because the expectations were best club team of all time. But for Arsenal to not slip up whatsoever and to be eight points up on these monsters is incredibly impressive, no matter how they finish. No matter how they finish, like one of the great things about Arsenal this season for the rest of the league, or at least not the rest of the league, I'm sorry, I misspoke, for the other top six teams is how far they come so fast. Like their project, they stuck with their manager. Arteta uh, had some slip ups. He had some bad 10 game stretches that, you know, Liverpool and Chelsea are going through right now. 
but as soon as his uh, coaching kind of kicked in and the youth just aged up just a little bit, right? Like there's such fine margins here, like the leap in Martinelli and, and Saka this year, then the excellent signing of Jesus and Odegaard um, has made huge leaps forward. Partey is just that ball he hit in the North London Derby, that volley out of the air that he hit a million miles an hour off the post was just another thing of beauty. Saka continues to be excellent. Their, uh, their back line, um, you know, Gabriel's been far better than expecting. Like all these guys made all these leaps forward together at the same time. Just gives hope for the other big money clubs, not the rest of the league, that they can do the same thing, that their project can kind of click and they can go from out of the Champions League to top of the table just like that. Yeah, and I mean, look, one thing that you really have to look at too with Arsenal and, and maybe point out a little bit with City is um, they're set pieces. Like, look at uh, look at what's going on there. I mean, they they've been they hired that set piece coach. It's gotten a lot of a pub, and they're one of the best teams in the league at scoring goals off set pieces now. <laughs> so yeah. I I that's a huge difference. And and in the analytics discussion, like that's a big thing that's that's being pushed as like the next divide, the market inefficiency that soccer team just need to take advantage of and city kind of get there by brute force because they're so good in open play and they pin you in and they just get a ton of corners. So they do it more by volume, but Arsenal like run set plays. They have a clear direction of what they're trying to do and who they're trying to free up in the box and where, and it pays off. And that's the, that could be the difference in where this title race ends as it gets tighter. It could just be Arsenal's better at set pieces and that gives them the, the margin. Yeah, we have Arsenal coming up a little bit later in the show. So let's come back to this match. How are you feeling about the Spurs' chances against City in this game? You know, Toby, you and I rarely get to bask in being right about things. (laughs) Um, And I I think one of the things that I'm happiest about, uh, I mean, I'm not happy, obviously, for Spurs fans. Well, I guess I really don't care, to be honest. But they're they're struggling. We knew this was going to be a struggle. Um, it, it seems like it is kind of a mess right now. Uh, Larice had. Oh my god! I, I, I wanted to kind of save this one for you to talk about because oh I can't ever do it justice. But we'll leave you to Larice. But obviously, th- there's other structural issues here. Sun is uh, vastly approaching that wash status that we've kind of hinted at before. Um, Kuliszewski and Kane seem to be the only two attackers that can create much of anything. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you, you, uh, you, I'm sure you watched the game or at least the highlights. Oh, that Arsenal match was mostly, mostly even except for your boy, <laughs> Larice. Dude, uh, <laughs> I was trying to think the last time. I mean, I'm sure it happens and I just don't remember it. You, know, you watch so much sports that you blank out. But a freaking own goal on the goalie in like this big of a match, an own goal? Like it's one thing to make a, a mistake to wander out of the box or, you know, to let a ball deflect off your gloves and go in the net when you didn't get a strong enough hand on it, but to redirect <laughs> a wayward shot into the goal in the North London Derby is something truly special. It like takes me back to being a kid, like pre YouTube where everybody can just pull this up now and you turn it, you wait all week for the blooper video to come on and they just show you the worst plays in sports. And like, this was a throwback to everything I saw as like a nine-year-old watching whatever ESPN or George Michael sports machine waiting for the blooper video to come on. It was so 
horrible. And like to watch how dejected his teammates were to look back at him and realize the nightmare this guy just had. And somehow he's still doing like one of the, I know we're on an audio podcast, but he's still like throwing his arms up like it's somebody else's fault. It's just, it was truly breathtaking to watch. Yeah, I mean, this is this is actually not a question that's meant strictly for entertainment purposes. I'm actually sort of genuinely asking, who would you honestly trust more and go at this point, Kappa or Larice? Is I mean, it's a question now, uh, at least, right? Like, I mean, can I pull actually, can I pull the goalie and play eleven out in the field? Yeah, just no goalie, go yeah, hockey I, style. Meatballs would love that. Um, I think that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, but that's the that's the crazy part is like we used to, you know, look at Larice as kind of one of the iconic keepers in the Premier League. And now when I ask you like a sort of tongue in cheek question, like we you would actually have to think about that question. Like, who would I rather trust well, back there? I, I actually think the more damning evidence is if you were to make a list of the top 10 goalkeepers in in uh the Premier League, not the world, the Premier League, neither Keppa nor Larice would be on it despite being expensive guys on top six clubs. And you might even talk me into extending it to 15. Well, yeah, I, gosh, I mean, that again, we have a, a whole string of slew of podcasts that we could do about side subjects, but <laughs> I think, I think you're right. I definitely think the top 10 is a reach. I'm thinking you're probably right. The top 15 is probably somewhere maybe where they are right now, um, which is, which is, I think it's both good and bad, right? Like if your goalkeeper is struggling to a point where, you know, you can basically say we need to make an upgrade like Chelsea and Spurs can get immediately better if they make the right signing goal, right? Like shot stopping is such a huge thing. It's a, it's a fairly measurable thing right now. Um, I think that that's, like the the silver lining, I guess, of the store cloud for something like Spurs. But I mean, also when you're looking and how much can you trust rumors, there's really not like a ton of options or, or names being floated as like a replacement to Larice. But to me, that would be the Spurs quickest path to make sure they stay top six this year is yeah. you need to upgrade there, solidify the defense again, and then move forward from that point and try to fix your attack maybe in the summer window. I don't know, man. I mean, there's so much discontent surrounding the Spurs right now. Like you, you mentioned it earlier. Like we hit it the nail on the head, and like the the framing question at the beginning of this is, do you have to adjust City like we adjusted everybody else? We adjusted on Tottenham at the exact right time. Yeah, like we said exactly this is the moment to start to fade them, and they have uh, been completely fadeable ever since. And now you have Conte arguing with the board. You have the board itself somewhat paralyzed in the transfer market. You have a lot of rumors hurting around. Uh, as much as it hurt my heart, Tuchel has started to get mentioned as a replacement for Conte. Um, and like we've seen this, we've seen this before with Conte. Once you have this much discontent, it goes, it goes south fast. Um, and so I am continuing to fade the Spurs. Like they looked way more dangerous with Kulisevsky back. I thought he was as usual. Their only like creative spark in the final third. Uh, Harry Kane gets his great moments of brilliance and that comes on the end of uh, some of these passes, but he's, he's playmaking has been down recently because, you know, he has to do it all and he can't do it all. Um, so I am absolutely going to take city here. Like seeing them roll out Silva, Rodri, KDB in the midfield, having them still have Holland and, and Foden ready to feast, and knowing that I only have to pay minus one ten to get that adjusted line, the quality is just too high. The uh, the tumultuousness at, at Spurs is just too high. I'm going to take that at minus one ten for this game all day long. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Um, I I'm right there, and my my prop bet is basically it's a bet against against Kulishevsky, your boy. So maybe living on dangerous territory here, but um, the city clean sheet looked really good to me. I, yeah. I just think that attack is just really struggling. I, I can't remember who tweeted this, but you know, shouts to this person. Um, they they were kind of jokingly saying if you could sum up the Spurs uh, to attack attacking problems in one. One sentence it would basically be their their best goal scorer and best playmaker are the same guy, <laughs> and, and I think that's I think that's kind of true, and it is something that Kulishevsky will help taking the creative burden off Kane a little bit. But like, if Son is just if this is just kind of the downside for him, um, if Richarlison can't get healthy quickly or has a little bit of rust to knock off because of the injury, like this is an issue. Then they have two attackers, and that's a really sputtering attack. And City is still very good. I think this is a match where they're going to control the ball a ton. And so you're getting plus 126 for the clean sheet win. I I just think that should have been a negative number. I think it should have been minus 105. Um, So I think you're getting a lot of value there. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I looked up some data, though, Brett, not not to contradict your pick. Just I like your pick full stop. Uh, There's been something that's been nagging in my brain, and I I looked it up, and for once the data backed up the cobwebs that exist between my ears. but Spurs are incredibly slow starters in big games. Uh, so if you extend this to a big seven with Newcastle included, they've had six games against you know fellow big seven teams so far this year. And Liverpool, Newcastle, and Arsenal all scored twice in the first half. Arsenal and the because Arsenal and Spurs have already played both matchups this year. Uh, Arsenal and Chelsea also scored in the first half. So it's only Manchester United. Uh, that went scoreless in the first half, and that was early in the season before their big glow up. So I was looking heavily at City first half bets, and there's several that I like. Uh, Manchester City minus 120 first half is a great line, I think, to kind of cut down on a lot of the variability in this match because Spurs start slow and City starts fast. Simple as that. But if you want to adjust that line even a little bit higher, um, Manchester City plus 295 to be leading after 15 minutes and plus 130 after 30 minutes. So Ooh, in those in those games I just mentioned where teams were scoring in the first half, uh, four out of six, they were leading after 30 minutes, and it would have been five out of six, but Newcastle scored a minute 31. So Spurs are giving up very early goals and are not coming on until the second half when it's usually Kane, you know, bails them out or gets some sort of consolation goal. So I like all of these plays. And along that uh, that uh, secondary kind of storyline I just gave you, Kane is plus 220 as a goal scorer. I could absolutely see him getting one back in the second half because as we frequently talk about, when City gets in the lead, they tend to switch off a little bit and give up second half goals. And along those lines, Spurs... Highest scoring half, second half, is plus 205. So clean sheet in the first half. City either gets up or, you know, Spurs actually, they have enough quality to get on the board. It's not like Kane Kulisevsky's son is, you know, the Southampton lineup. Uh, so <laughs> if, if Manchester City does keep a clean sheet in the first the half, Saints. you're now getting plus 205 for Spurs to score in the second half, which I think is great given the dynamic between the two teams. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely, you know, it's one of those things where you can, I can see the argument definitely for in both ways. Um, uh, my big thing is just like uh, the Spurs under Conte have played such a passive style. And I, I know these matches have gotten multiple goals in, from both teams before, but like 
I I just feel like this is going to be a thing where City is going to struggle immensely to even have enough of the ball to get into dangerous areas enough to create enough chances to score. So I think it's going to have to be a moment of of pure quality. But you are right, and we've talked about Ederson before on this podcast. City gets up 2-0, 3-0 early. I love those bets for City and the or for Spurs in the second half. But for me, it more seems like this could play out the way the game state's going to play out is this is going to be just a slow death for Spurs. God, City, you see Ederson rounding, uh, wandering out into space and Rashford <laughs> rounding him. Oh, my yep. God. I was thinking about you when I saw that. He looked completely lost in that, that moment. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think this is going to be a conversation. I mean, we're going to just double down on, on getting Spurs right with the fact that we might be beating the narrative on Ederson here by a couple of months. And we're going to we're going to be able to proudly say we were those guys saying we should start looking closer at this thing. All right. Well, speaking of narratives, it's not lacking in our next next matchup. But first, we got to take a quick break. Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code OmahaFull and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, You'll get your stake back as a free bet. 21 years plus only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 or more wager only must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit, $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call one 800 bets off Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Okay, welcome back. And we are ready for the crisis derby, Brett. We have <laughs> Liverpool ninth at 28 points versus Chelsea 10th at 28 points. Saturday at 7.30 a.m. If I had told you Liverpool was going to be ninth and Chelsea was going to be 10th, you would assume the Super League had already been formed and that's the only way we would have this sort of matchup. The line over at uh, Caesars, pool is minus 120. The draw is plus 275. Chelsea is plus 305. Pool minus half a goal is minus 125. And the Chelsea double chance is minus 105. All right, Brett, these are the two most disappointing teams in all of Europe right now. Who do you think actually needs this game more? Well, who needs it more? Liverpool, I think. Because um, uh, they are quickly fading to zero chance at maybe even fifth <laughs> at this point. Um, so I, I think they are definitely the more desperate team, especially given that they just look completely overwhelmed against Brighton, um, which is not a good thing. Um, but I mean, uh, look, I I stared at this match. I went on a journey with this match, Toby. And, and my journey was this, looking at this team. I looked at how terrible I watched this, the Liverpool highlights. I looked at how easily they're getting carved apart by Brighton. And then I was like, there's no way that they can win this match. And then I looked at the players that Chelsea are currently forced into starting. And I was like, wait, there's no way they can win this match. <laughs> so you, know I, you know where I wound up, Toby? It's the draw at plus 275. It's right where I wound up. Because I just think both of these teams have too many issues. It's hard to imagine an edge anywhere. I mean, I, I mean, maybe you're going to contradict this when, when you give your take on it. But like, at least for me, I couldn't see where the edge is because both these teams are flawed in so many different ways right now. But I think it's almost on equal margins. I think Chelsea amazingly might be in better shape because Liverpool seemed very broken. Um, but so I, I could see the pick going towards your blues, but the draw just seemed like it was the better value. Yeah, that's insane to think that Chelsea might be less broken than Liverpool, given one week ago I was screaming, shoot them all into the sun on this very show. <laughs> um, but, I mean, watching that Brighton matchup, I saw the exact same thing you did. Without Van Dyke, they look completely lost on the back line. Brighton picked them apart without even playing Trissard. They sent Trissard home, and they still destroyed Liverpool, yeah. which is a bit shocking. Um, with, the, with the back line struggling, and like Gomez is getting completely turned inside out, there's so much strain on the midfield to cover for them that they're not able to link up to the front, and the midfield is punished as well. And then the front line without Nunez, is is a disaster. I mean, like Alexander Arnold had several moments, like his typical moments of complete wizardry, but they're wasted when Oxlade Chamberlain is the one waiting in the middle for the magical outside of the boot ball that's coming down to them. And so if they're going to waste those moments and they can't link up because the midfield has to cover the defense so much, they're going to really, really struggle to score, in my opinion. Um, and then over on the other side of the of the ball, like. I'm not saying I've come all the way back, but I certainly am taking a little bit of a different tone than when I was on tilt after watching that Fulham match last week. Uh, it's Crystal Palace. Ziyech, he looked good. He had his moments of glory. Of course, he is dependable. He could completely sulk through the next match and be horrible. But that move he put on the guy on the touchline where he put it on one side and ran around the touchline on the other in the box, I mean, that was just glorious. 
Uh, Silva is a rock, and I thought he really, really benefited from having Batasil next to him. Batasil, like the 6'4 unit, almost Van Dyke-like in his ability to dominate the air, helped Silva concentrate even more on just reading the game, where at 38, he's still maybe the best in the world at doing that, and so he was covering up a lot of things because Batasil had cover for him. Um, <laughs> you'll, you're going to like this. So my favorite moment of the match was besides the Havertz header. I mean, obviously if they're going to score, this could be my favorite moment. Uh, <laughs> and I know Kepa came up with some incredible saves, but early in the game, I was watching with my five-year-old, my five-year-old's cuddled up next to me and he, Kepa does something dumb. And I yell out, Kepa, you suck. And my five-year-old looks at me and goes, why does Kepa suck daddy? I know so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes, dear, that is the correct answer." And you five years into our podcast, the bot <laughs> might be replacing me or you on this podcast uh, pretty soon. Even though her next question was, "Is the Netherlands in England?" Uh, but she, even somebody asked that question knows how bad Kepa has been. Um, all right, but back to it. Uh, I have to admit, I'm a little high on hopium. Uh, seeing Batasil play so well, along with Levi Cowell dominating at Brighton, is giving me real ideas about the future. Uh, combine them with Fofana, and our back line could be you know fixed for a half decade or more. And then, of course, we signed Mudrick, right? Who could end up being Timo 2.0 uh, for $100 million. But since I haven't seen that yet, I'm going to choose to believe he's most solid 2.0 instead. Tremendous speed, directness. Excellent dribbling, ability to pick a pass and finish. Now I've got him and Jal Felix dancing through my head, dominating while Havers plays the Firmino role. Plus Reese, Chile, Conte are all back in training. So I'm doing it, Brett. I'm doing it. Give me the blues, baby. I'm back. Both teams are struggling right now somewhat equally, as you pointed out. So even if I wasn't high on Hopium, even if I wasn't, uh, starting to ride a little bit high again and getting some ideas about us turning things around. Just simply give me the team with three X the odds when they're both struggling. Chelsea to win plus 305. Yeah, and like I said, I, I can 100% see that argument. I mean, the the only knock I think against Chelsea would be that they just haven't been at, very convincing. Um, but there's definitely a greater argument for Liverpool just being completely broken at this point and, and possibly cratering to like Spurs level. Um, but I just think that there, there's no with Chelsea. It's very much, you get some injured players back, things improve. Liverpool has Fabinho, Thiago, full complement of midfielders for the most part. Salah is still there. Like, but there is no guy that I think comes back. Like, unless you're going to say Jota or Firmino, like, those guys don't fix the issues that they're having, no. right? They need Diaz. They need Diaz and Nunez. And well, they need Diaz and season. they need Jude Bellingham. <laughs> yeah, good um, point. So, I mean, like, th- that's the thing to me is, like, there, there's definitely some rotting at the core, I think, that we're seeing for Liverpool. And for the first time in a long time, it's not just because of injury. There, there's real issues here with personnel and system, and, and it's getting bad over there. Um, so yeah. I definitely see the Chelsea bet. I, yeah, honestly, Gak- and Gakpo doesn't look as scary in like the blood red that he did in the orange. I think you were <laughs> right about some of his finishing in the World Cup. Like he hasn't showed anywhere near the clinical edge that he had over in uh, Cutter ever since he put on that jersey. Like he's taking these same long shots, but he doesn't have enough distance from the defenders, and they're just getting blocked on the regular. And his movement hasn't been sharp enough to create enough space to free him up to get a good look. 
It's very telling when you watch almost an 11 minute extended highlight of a match and Cody Gakpo doesn't show up in anything other than like a side guy running into the frame late. Um, So like, it's definitely, it's definitely a great play to take Chelsea here. I I think they're, they are more primed to make a move up the table for sure. Um, I think they are closer to figuring some things out, obviously solidifying that center back spot next to Silva is going to be huge. James and Chilwell back is going to be huge. Um, I, I think they're they're interesting going forward. I think now we're Liverpool. It's just a big question mark. But that said, I'm still all in on the draw. Um, and going to the point too, where I think these teams are no longer the defensive stalwarts that they were like a year ago. Uh, to the I'm taking. I would take the draw to the plus three seventy five level where both teams are scoring. Um, because I still am not convinced that either of these teams can tighten anything up anywhere on the pitch. I am exactly opposite of you. My favorite bet, and it will be in Ooh. my five pint, is both teams to score no at plus 120. Okay. Um, when you get two struggling squads and, you know, like I'm, I'm now turning around on Chelsea, given uh, my rant last week, but they still only put one past Palace, right? Like they're not all of a sudden finishing all the chances that they're creating at a really high levels. Like their XG still way outpaces the actual goals produced because they're having such trouble in front of the net. And then as we've already, I've already like gone in on Liverpool. If Nunez can't go like that, I'd almost put all five pints on this. Um, I think it's an excellent plus money bet when you get both teams to not be able to net the ball. And like to further my point, um, and you know more about soccer than everybody I know combined. So I'm going to ask you this question. I'm expecting you to know the answer, but can you tell me who Ben Doak is? Uh, the name sounds really familiar, but I've yeah. Okay. Thank you. It. This is almost like a, a setup. So Ben Doak is 17 years old. He's a Liverpool youth project. Uh, He has less than 100 minutes of his entire career at the senior level. And he has better odds than any single Chelsea player to score in this match. What? (laughs) So Chelsea has spent billions of dollars on players. And they're 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 anytime goal scorer odds. The the highest they have is Havertz at plus 240. A play I like, and I'll tell you why in a second. But Ben Doak at 17 years old with less than 100 minutes is plus 200 as an anytime goal scorer. That should tell you what you need to know about Chelsea. And considering he's, I think, the third highest on Liverpool, it also tells you what you need to know about Liverpool in this match. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Maybe just the books know something we don't know about Ben Doak. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, again, I, I see that argument for sure. Um, again, I... I just don't trust the either of these teams. So, but I get it. I totally understand where that, where the no bet is. I, I see that line. I understand that line. I just can get myself there. Yeah. Well, I do like Havertz at plus 240. And, I think that's a good bet too. Uh, the reason why is if Zia can put on another performance like he did against um, Crystal Palace, it's it was all like really excellent crosses and Havertz is the only guy who has any chance at, at hitting a header uh, anywhere on the pitch for them except for set pieces. I mean Silva and Batasio could come up. Those guys were I think plus eleven hundred plus fourteen hundred, which are sneaky plays if you think that they can come get on, one Toby. on a set piece. Change one of your five pine picks. Take a center back to no, score. I'm not going to do freedom that. Freedom in it. Feel like free, Feel the freedom, Toby. I like winning. I'm thirsty. <laughs> um, but if Ziyech is going to create down the right that way, 
And then I think they're going to, I think they're going to, just like they did with Jal Felix, given their injury crisis, I think Mujer comes right into the starting 11. And that guy's pace against Trent Alexander Arnold, like Mujer playing on the left, Trent Alexander on the right back, they're going to be matched up together, is a nightmare for Liverpool. A flat out nightmare. And they're going to have to tilt the field over to Mujer. They're going to have to cheat Henderson over. They're going to have to do everything they can to contain his pace. And that is going to free up cutback balls to Havertz all day long and maybe even Mason Mount who's plus 350 to get a goal there. So if they throw him in there, if it's Ziyech and Mudrick and Havertz, I think Havertz at plus 240 is going to get like service from both sides and he's going to at least have, you know, one to two XG of opportunity to convert. Yeah, I mean, the only counterpoint I'll make to that is that uh, Danny Welbeck is a nightmare for Liverpool right now. So <laughs> that bar is very low. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's a counter or accelerating my point because they're so struggling in the back line and TA and helping on that side. Of course, he was their main offensive spark on the other side, so I totally get why he plays. Last bets I'm going to throw out there since we only had three games. I really dove into the props, and this goes back into the narrative that both you and I are discussing a little bit. Um, Chelsea to win to nil, plus 675, baby. That is a healthy number for uh, for Chelsea to win. One nil or two nil. And if you think Chelsea can't get to three and you want even more juice, Chelsea to win and under 2.5 goals. So it has to be one nil or two nil plus 750. Feast. Hmm. Wow. That's some really high numbers there. Interesting. I still don't know if I would trust Keppa to that degree, but I don't know, man. You're excited. I think you should do it and then just allow me to go through, live that through you in your text messages during the match. Yeah, about why my five-year-old knows why Kepa sucks and I wasted my money. Uh, All right, let's take another quick break and then we got one more banger before we send you on to the weekend. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Okay, we are back. And it is rare when you could talk about two big six matchups as almost an appetizer for the main event that's coming uh, still on the weekend. But I think that's where we're at, Brett. This is the one that I am incredibly excited to watch. It is Arsenal. Uh, first at 47 points versus a absolutely ascended Manchester United team, third at 39 points. That late equalizer today, notwithstanding. This game is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. 
Uh, our friends at Caesars have Arsenal at minus 112, Manchester United at plus 285, the draw at plus 265. Arsenal minus half a goal is minus 115. United is minus 115 on the double chance. So a straight up coin flip for Arsenal to win versus United to win or draw. So, Brett, I know you watched it. I watched it too. United's win over City was crazy and it was inspired. Seeing them use Luke Shaw at center back and still shut down Holland was absolutely amazing. And it's official, Brett. I'm no longer whispering it. I'm no longer saying it in the shadows. I'm no longer saying it and hoping nobody hears me. I like watching Manchester United play the oh game boy. of soccer. Ever oh since boy. they dumped Ronaldo, they are top class. I just watched them play Crystal Palace on a Wednesday afternoon, Brett, by choice. I wasn't even forced to watch this. I wasn't even like at a clockwork orange where they had to take my eyelids open. I was watching it and I was happy to be doing so. Wasn't even forced to. I particularly like the moment where the pitch evader came on and was super calm and composed, which is how I knew it wasn't Harry Maguire. (laughs) So the big question, Brett, is is this formally a six pointer? Because United is actually in the title race. Oh, I don't think they're in the title race. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but they are definitely good. Um, this is such an interesting turn of events, <laughs> I would say. Um, but I mean, look, the the Luke Shaw center back. I uh, he is such a underrated player. Um, and I think that is a, I, I always thought he'd be a great, like third center back, like an outside center back in a back three. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they're using him there, like Luke Shaw's thing is, has been progressing the ball um, without Harry Maguire's like warts of covering space, right? Cause he's a left back. So I think it's a really inspired, um, you know, move for him. And also, I mean, we talked about this plenty of time with United. I, I like, they're doing well because they're solid, right? This is the first time this team is making sense that the players are fitting together, that they don't have a black hole anywhere. But to catch Arsenal, they need some juice somewhere. Like Rashford would have to really ratchet it up or one of their other attackers would have to really ratchet it up, I think, for them to catch Arsenal at this point. That said, in this match in particular, even though it's not maybe a six-pointer that's going to decide the title at some point, or we're going to look back at it deciding the title, it is going to be a slugfest. Like this is a going to be a very evenly played match. United, since they made these changes, have played teams really tough. You know, Arsenal basically kind of got gifted a 2-0 win against Spurs because of Lloris, not necessarily because they thoroughly outplayed them. Um, and they they haven't really necessarily had like a trademark, we're gonna stop this other team type of underlying performance recently. So against good teams, I will say against Newcastle and Spurs. I'll put it that way. So I think this match is going to be close. This is a coward's way out, but it's mostly because I don't really see these teams being able to separate by multiple goals in either direction, which means that soccer could soccer and at plus 265 with that draw number, like this is going to be a slugfest. Chances are going to be at a premium. I just think plus 265 is too good of a value. Jesus. (laughs) best slate of games we'll ever have on the show two, like, draws. two draws two draws holy hell this is disappointing um i was fully 100 ready to take united here uh for fernandez is playing unbelievable right now he's doing a credible kdb impression which i didn't think was possible by anybody else in the league that reverse ball he played against city to unlock ganacho that led to the rafford winner yeah. was just straight up filth 
And he scored a, another excellent goal today against Palace. His instincts to uh, score the goal on that super controversial first goal against City. I mean, still showing what are, what are rules anymore, Toby? What are rules yeah. anymore? <laughs> no, this is turning into a philosophy podcast. Uh, as much as it is like VAR analysis. Uh, but anyway, like for Fernandez, he, he looks awesome right now. He hasn't looked this good since his debut, whatever that was, like three years ago when he kind of came in and took the league on fire. Uh, Rashford, it continues to be in great form. It continues to be a world-class betting value. After we argued about it last week, he came through for me again and hit another anytime goal. Uh, Erickson looks reborn. Like with the space and the freedom to express himself, he is like breaking lines left and right. He was destroying City in that matchup. And Mm -hmm. Shaw, as we mentioned, is contributing all over the pitch. Uh, And so I was all ready to cape here for Manchester United. And then this afternoon, Casemiro gets himself suspended for the game on yellow card accumulation and completely took the wind out of my sails. And somehow the line didn't move. Like, I think it was like minus 106 before that game, and it was only minus 112 after. So despite my desire to say United is going to make this a real title race and they're going to have back-to-back statements of intent that we would remember like the rest of the season, there is no freaking way I am putting my hard-earned money down on McFred against the league leader. (laughs) So only for that reason, more than any other, I am back on Arsenal minus 112. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And and one of the things that we talk about on this podcast all the time is that midfielders are the hardest to value their impact on the match because we don't see the stats that are, even we mentioned on this podcast, expected goals, chances created, touches in the penalty area, all that stuff. Like Casemiro has obviously scored some goals for them. He, he's been involved in the attacking third, but like his main thing obviously is shielding the back line, yeah. is moving the ball up the pitch. Those things are super hard to value. If you can value those things accurately, you can go probably get paid a lot of money by a forward thinking soccer club right now. Um, So I I get it. I I get why the line hasn't moved. I get why you'd have reservations, especially if we're going to see Fred out there um, from the jump. But I also think that like Casemiro hasn't been the only thing that's been tightening this team up defensively. And we make fun of Fred. But really, Fred isn't like some bad, horrible player that, you know, you got to trot out there and you make fun of like he's not he's not Keppa. All right. Yeah, I know he ain't Keppa, but I didn't say Fred. I said Mick Mick Fred. Fred. And there's there's a Scott McTominay element to Mick Fred that uh, will completely debunk your argument. No, 100 percent. And if you see a McTominay appearance in the starting 11, that's going to probably change some things, obviously. Um, But, you know, Fred ends up being the direct replacement for Casemiro. I, it's definitely a drop off. Like, don't get me wrong, but Fred's not like a bad player. And I think the team has, has coalesced defensively more or less because of more youthful energy up front with some pressing, having a, a, like one defensive midfielder surrounded by guys that can help you hold possession. And then more mobile center backs. Obviously Luke Shaw playing center back helps a lot. Um, Martinez has helped a lot, you know, even when ran, even though I think he's on the downside, it's obviously all better than Harry Maguire, right, Toby? <laughs> we know this. So I, I I get why Casemiro can move you off the line, but I don't think – I think United actually has enough now still that they can withstand it in one match because the drop-off from Fred to Casemiro probably isn't as big as you'd think. Uh, I disagree. I think uh, over the last – I don't know. I mean, I'm making up a number here, but 10 match days in the Premier League, the most influential guys in the league in terms of adjusting – uh, table position are KDB and Holland, um, Casemiro, 
and probably Odegaard. I'm trying to think of who I would name from Arsenal, but that's the first name to jump into mind. I think he's been absolutely it's a good name to pick. Yeah. And I think he's been absolutely critical to their turnaround in, in fortune. And I don't know why they didn't embed him straight away, but I, in my head, at least in my memory, the banishment of Ronaldo, putting Maguire on the bench and starting Casemiro every single game has led to Manchester United shooting up the table more than anything else. Well, yeah. And again, uh, you know, the Ronaldo thing, it was a double-edged sword in terms of he did nothing. He does nothing at this point, but try to shoot and score goals from increasingly worse locations. Um, so, I mean, they got better, I think, defensively in part because they started playing attackers that could actually wanted to press yeah, <laughs> out of the session. Um, and then I also think, too, that, like, you know, they switched to a 4-3-3. They, they have two free. It's like the ability to hold possession, which is one of the huge flaws of McTominay at Fred midfield, the McFred midfield, as we all love, knowingly remember those days, um, was the fact that those two guys were not good in possession. And so if you can't hold the ball, if you can't move the ball into a dangerous area and keep the opponent there, like it, it's a double-edged sword in soccer because of the way the sport works, right? It means you're giving it away. It means that they, the opponent then has more of the ball, which means that you're going to have more pressure on you. So there's a lot of things I think going that Casemiro, I think allowed to bring together to bring to a higher level. Um, but I don't think, you know, they're going to be completely and totally flipped on their head with, without replacing them. I think a lot of things have come together. And we also have to remember that like Aaron Juan Basaka's thing, and, and he's now firmly, it seems like in the starting 11 is shutting down an entire side of yeah. the field. He's he a really, yeah. He's a really, really good defensive fullback. Um, and he looks a lot better in possession because the attackers in front of him and the and midfielders like Erickson can help offset his his kind of skill limitations. So there's a lot to work with still at United, which is just a really weird thing to say. All right. <laughs> I feel dirty about it, but that's why I couldn't move me off the draw is basically that whole long winded thing is that's why I couldn't move me off the draw. I still think this is going to be a slugfest. I still think this is going to be a really even match. Um, and, and, and partly because I haven't seen Arsenal really stomp on a team. I, I, if they had a more inspiring performance against Spurs, if they had a more inspiring performance against Newcastle, which is basically like a WWE match that was on a soccer pitch. Um, I would have been more bullish if with Casimir ought to take Arsenal, but I just couldn't get there. Well, so where did you get on the prop market? So on the prop market. I went, I, I went to the both teams to score. No prop. That was the one that jumped out at me. I looked at the under two and a half goals a little bit too, but at plus plus one fifteen for the both teams to score. No, I just think that this match absolutely ends with one team having a zero by it. I, I really think these two teams are so good defensively. They're going to be pretty cagey in terms of their possession. They neither of them want to play a very super open style. They both want to play slowly out of the back and slowly build. They both have the personnel to do it. I just think that at plus 115, that's way too good of a number. Yeah, I mean, I halfway agree with you because I took Arsenal to win to nil at plus 235. Mm -hmm. And there's several other elements you can play here that I like. Uh, Arsenal might, if you adjust the line, uh, up to a goal and a half is plus 225. And my thinking there is if they get the first goal and City has to open up their play, then Arsenal's more likely to get the second than Manchester United is to get the first without Casemiro in there to clean up mistakes. Like there's just going to leave way too much space behind if they start pressing forward. And if you put those together, uh, Arsenal win at least two to zero, you can get that up to plus 434. If you do like United to score, 
um, because you've taken the draw and I've taken the Arsenal win. If you think United might score first, Arsenal will come from behind win or draw is plus 550, which is a hell of a number. And if you want to play anything on the United side, the two guys I think most likely to score are Fernandez and Rashford, and both of them are still really tasty anytime goal scorer numbers. Uh, Fernandez is plus 350, and Rashford is plus 275. So that's the menu of options that I'll be deciding for on Sunday morning after I see the lineup. But I think there's a lot of value in all of them. Yeah. And, you know, again, it, it's not like Arsenal are impenetrable. It's not like United are impenetrable. It's about, without Casemiro. So I definitely see the value in a lot of those anytime goal scoring numbers. And I mean, I can't keep you away from Rashford at this point. He's like the anti He's the anti Harry Maguire for you. Yeah, I, I like to win and you like to not win. So I don't I just can see why you would not be joining me on this. I mean, I haven't made any Harry Maguire bets. Just, yeah. just both teams to score no because he might not be on the pitch. He actually might be at West Ham soon. So yeah. I mean, where do you, where do you think all the uh, it's an audio podcast? All my backdrop is full of items and yours is sparse and undecorated. Rashford <laughs> pays for my background, and you have not yet jumped on board. Um yeah. All right. So speaking of payouts, let's get to the five pint. And January is a really different month than December, Brett. Uh, We had a bunch of shows in December because we did the World Cup. This is our last show of January because there's an international break next week. So we're off next week. January is a two-week month. And Arsenal came through for me last week on the clean sheet win in the Derby. So I am up on you right now, 5.7 to 4.3. I want to flip things up for uh, for once, and I promise it's not because I'm going to copy all of your bets and therefore guarantee my victory. But I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking about my fifth bet right now, so I want to hear you go first. All right. Well, mine, mine's pretty simple. I consolidated into three. Um I, I love the the Arsenal United both teams to score no line uh, plus one fifteen. I think it's the best. I think it's the best line of any of these matches. So I'm going to put three whole pints on that wow. one line. So when it's one one after ten minutes, I'm going to be super happy. Um, and then the next one is the City clean sheet win plus one twenty six for one pint. And then finally, I, I you know I took the Cowboys way out twice, so I got to have it in my five pint. Uh, the the Liverpool Chelsea draw uh, at one point. Uh, sorry, I'm going to take it one step further. Liverpool Chelsea draw with both teams to score for at plus three seventy five for one point. Spicy. Okay. Uh, so I'm still debating in my head, but I can I can do that debate and read my other picks at the same time. Uh, my favorite bet of the week is Chelsea Liverpool both score no. That's plus one twenty. Uh, Arsenal to win outright minus one twelve. I'm actually going to adjust Arsenal's line on a set on a, another pint. Arsenal minus a goal and a half for plus two twenty five. Uh, City to win the first half is going to be minus one twenty. And the debate I've been having in my head is: Do I throw chicken blood on Chelsea by putting them in my five pint <laughs> when I need to beat you? And I just decided not to do it. I decided that I I want to win this and I want to enjoy that match without thinking that I curse them. And when they win on the clean sheet and I didn't cast the plus 675, I'm going to kick myself in the ass. But it's going to be in the middle of a happy dance, so I'll be all right. So my final pint is going to go on Spurs' uh, highest scoring half, second half, at plus 205. All right. Well, we're going to see what happens, man. All right. 
So uh, as I just mentioned, we are off next week for the international break as uh, the United States men's national team brings up 13 uncapped players to a camp because they're not going to bring people from all over Europe back. That's going to be really interesting to follow. Uh, U.S. women's national team is playing New Zealand. They beat them last night and they're playing another one in a couple of days. So for all you friends of the national game, there'll still be plenty of things to watch, but we won't be back to talk about it. We will see you early on in February, at which time we will return with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Enjoy the bangers, folks. Take care, y'all.